Hi, I'm Tuha and this is a podcast about flexible working. My guests every week share how they work flexibly and make it work. By sharing these stories, we hope to empower others start their journey to flexible working. Likewise, those already working flexibly will find these stories as inspiring too. Enjoy listening. Before I introduce my next guest, I did get a question last week about um, how I find my guests, because uh, they are rather interesting, which I'm so glad that you think so too. So most of the guests that I uh, have interviewed are, have, are my friends, and the most of the discussions we have are, are discussions we've had previously, although... I've had lots of chats with many of those guests and I always learnt something new in those episodes. So I always learnt something about them at the same time as you you are when you're listening. I also have the help of my friend Jessica who of at uh, Rock Salt Consulting and she's been my biggest advocate. So thank you, Jessica, for helping me. As you know, if you listen to her episode, she is a prolific networker. She is so good at it. And she obviously uses my podcast as a, a conversational piece, and she's been helping me spread the word and getting guests interested in uh, coming to onto the podcast. So I do owe a lot of the people approaching me to be on the show uh, to Jessica. So thank you very much. Just to give you a bit of insight of into what I've been up to, last week I went to the IPSC's National Freelancers Day, which is held at King's Place, right by Euston Station. It, it's normally held there every year, so I'm sure it would be held there again yeah, held there again next year. Um, it's a lovely venue. The food's great, um, and there's really good, quite good space there. And uh, the food's great. Uh, we did mention this event. A couple of my guests have mentioned it previously, and I would highly recommend it. It's well worth going next year. And really, just to meet other freelancers and um, just hear about uh, what other people think about challenges that you might be facing uh this year we had a brilliant opening talk from pip jameson if you don't know who she is she's the ceo of the dot super intelligent woman i love how she calls herself the herself delightfully dyslexic she's very humorous humorous when she explained the dot and how it helps companies curate very talented teams of freelancers uh, we also had a very funny a closing speaker as well called Adam Kay. I'd never heard of him before, but he's written a best-selling book called This Is Going To Hurt. And I did a little bit of Google, actually, and he's going on tour uh, this year. So, 2019, that is. So, um, yeah, check him out. But when I went in 2018 for National Freelancers Day, um, I don't remember the talks the speakers being as good as they were this year so well done Ipsy uh yeah so like I said I met some lovely freelancers and I got to meet one of my heroes uh Steve Foland 
And if you don't know who he is, he has two podcasts himself. He has one called Being Freelance, where he also interviews guests about flexible working. So if you want to hear even more stories, I highly recommend you listening to his podcast. And he also does one with Frankie Totora, who runs the Doing It For The Kids Facebook community. And their podcast is also called Doing It For The Kids. It's brilliant. It's a lovely, light-hearted uh, podcast. And I highly recommend checking that out too. Uh, yeah, so Steve runs this Being Freelance community. And it's just really lovely. And he does this non-employee award every Friday through a Facebook Live. It's just a bit of fun. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend joining that community if you've not already. So, this week's guest is Grant. I used to work with him. You'll have to excuse the recording. Uh, it does have added seagulls effect. I didn't add them. I actually got the opportunity to record face-to-face with Grant in Brighton, in Hove, and it was a hot sunny day with blue sky, so we just threw open the window and just went with it, so I didn't add the seagulls. I hope you enjoy. And this week's guest, I have a director of Creative Blend who works with a lot of uh, charities, and his name is Grant. Hello, Grant. Hiya. How are you? I'm doing all right, thank you. Not too bad. Sunshine is out, so I can't complain. I know, it's actually very good to be in Hove today. Mm. I've picked a a very good day to come down. Definitely have. I mean, we've got such nice views out of the office. You know, always makes a difference. Yes, I love the views. I'm going to invite myself back. (laughs) (laughs) So, explain to the listeners uh, what Creative Blend is. Uh, So, Creative Blend is a digital agency uh, that has a charity commitment. Uh, And what I mean by that is we have two different sides to the business. We have one side that is purely looking at our clients, paying clients, and we can range from, uh, say, digital services in terms of development all the way through to, say, social media management, paid social and those type of things. But then we do have a very important side to our business, which is our charity commitment. Now, the charity commitment is something I, passed, uh, something I set up many, many years ago. Um, and what it is, is we work with two charities every year. We supply them with 10 hours of free service. They get five hours each for two different charities and we can do a whole range of services with them. So we can sit down with them, look over, say at the beginning of our time working with them, say, okay, well, you know, what are you looking to achieve this year? What are your goals? What do you want to achieve as a wider team? And then help them do that. Um, And in some instances, it might be that they want help getting their website to work a bit harder for them, or it might be that actually they haven't built a content strategy before. So actually they come to us, we sit down with them, go over the whole calendar year and actually plan that out and just say, okay, well, this is the type of thing you need to do throughout the year. So you're helping them and you're helping to empower them basically. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's amazing. the, The idea is that by the time we get to month eight, month nine in a year, they shouldn't really need us anymore. Because by that point, we have supplied training, we have Mm. supplied uh, workshops, we've sat down with them, they've created a strategy that actually their internal team now feels empowered and actually they can go away and do it 
obviously we're still here as a safety net, mm. just in case for those final remaining months. Uh, and you know, when we come to the end of that year, should they still want to work with us, then we provide them with a charity rate. Oh, brilliant. So that's five hours a month? Five hours a month. And how do you choose... Charity. Brilliant. And then how many... Uh, how do you choose those two charities? So it's, it's a difficult process. Well, for us, it's a difficult process. So what we do is every year, <clears throat> getting towards sort of November, December time, we open up uh, our doors for applications. Uh, we ask people to drop us an email uh, and just tell us a bit about themselves, a bit about the charity, what they're trying to achieve, what their main problems and blockers are. Um, then we go through the process of, you know, selecting who we can actually help. So we have internally we have our own sort of criteria list based on you know the size of the charity, annual turnover, um, also you know the size of their team, board level, all of that type of thing where. It's all uh, things we've learned from our years of doing this, where actually to have a trustee board is actually very useful, uh, but also you know to make sure that trustee board actually all gets along and all pulling in the same direction, because mm-hmm. we have made mistakes in the past. We've mm-hmm. worked with charities where you know the board just don't agree with each other, so actually you end up spinning your wheels a lot, and we supply you know months worth of service and then speak to them and they've still not made a simple decision internally um, which is a real shame for us because that was time someone yeah. else could have used um, so you know we, what we do is we go through these applications I think this year we had 12 applicants uh, 12 different charities we sat down we went through them I whittled it down to four uh, and then I put it out to the rest of the team and the rest of the team selected the final two um, the reason I do that is because for me it's really important that the team actually believe and want to work with yeah. that charity. You know, I'm not looking to force upon them a charity mm-hmm. that I feel very passionate about. Yeah. Um, I have my own charity for that where yeah. I'm a trustee. So, okay. you know, this is a business thing, not a yeah. grant thing. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. You, you're basically getting their buy in because you're obviously paying your staff there as well for yeah. that time. Yeah. 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 So, it's not like they're doing it for free, but no, it's nice. No, 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 no. And I mean, you know, whether they are um, part-time members of staff, mm. full-time members of staff, remote workers, you know, they all still get paid. Yeah. Um, it's something the company does, you know. Okay. I've never heard of a company that has that kind of setup. So what motivated you to do that? <sighs> do you know, I mean... For many years I worked for lots of different agencies, lots of different companies, um, uh, you know, from London to Surrey, and a lot of them uh, provided, you know, uh, end of year fund to a charity, they'll put their hand in their pocket and maybe give 500 quid to um, a local charity, which is fantastic, and I'm by no means saying that's a bad thing. But what I saw happen a lot is when you actually speak to the charities, that 500 pounds disappeared in an instant that 500 pounds went into a million different places and they didn't really understand where it went now the concern I had with doing that and you know I do believe it is a really valuable thing and people should continue to do it but the thing I saw was there's a lot of people doing that but actually there's no one really supplying their time their knowledge their skills to these charities so actually they get to a point where you know 
they gain their knowledge of what we're doing for them. Uh, so then they can train internally, they can build on what they already have, um, rather than you know giving money that goes into a million different places. So that was sort of the premise behind oh, it. Okay, well, very interesting. So, back to the point of the podcast, do you work flexibly? Personally, uh, I'm, I work full-time. I'm always in the office, more, more often than not. I work from home one day a week, um, which works for my lifestyle. You know, I'm able to do physio one day every week, and that works for me. Um, so I'm not sure if that yeah. qualifies as flexible, but uh, you know, the vast majority of the team do work flexibly. Um, so, for instance, we have members of the team who are on a part-time set up uh, the reason why they're on that part-time setup is because when we were chatting and going through sort of interview processes um, they were studying you know and uh, still studying and it worked better for their lifestyle and for me being able to allow the team that ability to go and train in something else frees the mind a little bit and also you know gives them something extra and something that they can uh, pursue in their own time yeah. uh, and it works well for them and it works well for us um, yeah and as I say we've got uh, quite a few other members of the team who choose to work remotely mm-hmm. so you know a lot of what we do coming back to what I said at the beginning is development mm-hmm. developers are in my opinion always best when they're in a comfortable environment because so much of the time all they want to do is put their headphones on get their head down and develop Mm. Um, you know if you put uh, too many developers in a room full of salespeople, it's not going to work because they can't focus on what they're doing and you know sometimes when I see their monitors it's like they're in the matrix it's so complicated what they're doing um, it's better if they're remote okay. you know they can then spend time with you know loved ones they can then yeah. do it in their own time you know because I mean that's the other thing for us you know most of the team choose to work 9 to 5.30. Mm-hmm. Not all of them do. Some may start a bit later in the day and work on in the evening. It doesn't really bother okay. us as long as they hit their targets. Okay. You know? So in terms of how does it work when you have deadlines? Do you have deadlines? Or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's run to a deadline. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you manage, or how does the team manage to deadlines then? Uh, well, you know, we live, we live in a world now where you have so many digital tools that can help um, keep track of all of these different things. So, for instance, we use Trello um, as our project management tool. You know, from a kickoff point, you know, all every member of the team is very aware of where their deadlines are. Mm. You know, what's expected of them. Where are the key sort of like um, meeting dates and review points? All of this type of thing, and. Just because, you know, the team are remote doesn't mean they're not available for meetings and they'll come in for key meetings or kickoffs and come into the office to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think really just having the right digital tools yeah. helps everybody, yeah. you know. So, for instance, every Monday morning we have a developer call. Mm. So that's every single one of the developers will get on a call, discuss what they're working on, what are their blockers, are there any issues that they're having or actually are they fine? Are they clear what they're doing for the week? Okay. And so on and so forth. 
I do like Trello. I started using it as well. Mm. But it's quite good. You can keep all your chats in one place rather than lots of emails to and fro. Yeah. Um, all the main points can be kept yeah. in the same place. And yeah, go on. I was just going to say, you know, following up on that, we wrote um, what turned out to be a very popular blog post on the website all about the tools that we would recommend to people okay. who are working remotely. Um, you know, or just with that team, you know, we use so many tools now oh. and it makes it so easy. Oh, you'll have to send me the link so yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. I definitely will. Um, so then in terms of, so in terms of collaboration as well, mm-hmm. would you do, would you use that, use Trello for collaboration? You mentioned your kickoff meetings and things like that. Yeah. So there's a few different tools we use for the sort of collaboration stage. So, um, Slack being one. Uh, so all of our messages all go through Slack. Uh, we have groups in there as well where, for instance, you know, we may have, for a particular project, we would have perhaps a content creator, um, a designer. Uh, we might have a developer on the front end and also another developer for the back end. All of those people are, you know, we're in Slack together, mm-hmm. all under one sort of project team, if you yeah. like. So they can talk to each other without anyone else being involved. Yeah. You know, but the whole team can see it. Okay. Um, and they share content that way and ideas and different mm-hmm. things going on. Another one that we use quite a lot is Evernote. So, for instance, if the designer has uh, put together this website and, you know, they've taken inspiration from loads of different places, lots of different sources, they can collate it all in Evernote mm-hmm. and then share that Evernote board with the developer so the developer gets an understanding of where their mind is, mm. where have they come from. Um, massively helpful, you know. Oh, um, yeah. And it just cuts through it all. Um, yeah. And I just, there are, there are so, you know, we're very lucky nowadays. We've, there are so okay, many yeah, tools yeah. to use yeah. that help cut uh, through the sort of the concerns or any problems yeah. that used to come up with remote working. I think part of the challenge, though, of like taking up those tools because mm. I use Evernote as well is that I think people don't because we both worked at TUI together yeah, we and did. there were tools where you tried to collaborate mm. on and things like that I can't remember Yammer mm-hmm. uh, there was another one never really beginning. worked I can't remember yeah but don't you think it's partly because <clears throat> people were because it was such a new thing people didn't know how to use it so yeah and I think there's part of that but also we were, when we were at TUI and we were told, you know, it's never a conversation. We were told to use Yammer. Mm. We were told to use Jira mm. as the project management tool. We were never asked, you know, does this work for you? Mm. Is this the way you like to work? Yeah. Everything we've done here, and obviously we're a much smaller company than the giant that is TUI yeah. Travel, but everything we've done here, we've selected the tools we use as a team. Yeah. So you know, we we trialed loads of different project management tools, and we're still trialing them. Yeah. You know, um, and it just so happened the team really got on with Trello. Yeah. Um, you know, and that works for them. Uh, we also, you know, have got so the designers like to work in Sketch, as opposed mm-hmm. to you know Adobe software, which is fantastic for the developers because there's an additional plugin called uh, Zeppelin. That allows the developer to take all the code from that design and I've got it all to hand. Mm. So that speeds up your processes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think really the reason why it works for us so well is because there's buy-in yeah. from the whole team. You know, if someone if 
a new member of the team came in tomorrow and said, oh no, get rid of Trello, you don't want to be using that. Mm. What you want to be using is project management system Y. Yeah. You know, uh, we'd sit down, we'd review it as a team, sit yeah. down with the devs. If everyone's happy with it, then yeah, maybe we shift over. It seems to me that you've been able to utilise quite a lot of different technology and programmes mm. to help you guys um, function and get things done. One thing I would say is, if there's any other companies who want you to trial their software, they should oh, send it to you. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you know, more than happy to trial anything like that. I mean, the, the big one uh, I've never, you know, I have a big problem with is time tracking. So obviously oh, as yes. an agency, a big one is, you know, especially with yeah. remote work as everyone working at different times in the day, it's time tracking. So what we use is Toggle, mm. which is a fantastic tool, but it has its limitations, mm. you know, and once you get past a certain payment threshold, yeah. the cost behind it is exorbitant, it's huge, mm. you know, per person, per month, it's right. crazy. So if anyone out there is creating a new time tracking tool and want us to sort of be the guinea pigs, send it my way. <laughs> oh, cool. We'll take a look. Brilliant. So in terms of... So your team works flexibly, mm-hmm. but you work full time. Admittedly, you do spend one day a week at home, so mm-hmm. that's kind of flexible. And you fit in this charity work. Yeah. So it's not just your company policy in terms of supporting two charities. You're also on a board of yeah. a different charity. Yeah. M- moving forward, what what's the next step like? Would you want to change your working week for more flexibility to do other things, or, or is this what you've always been working towards and you've kind of reached it? Yeah, I mean that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I think so much of what we've built here um, has come through sort of conversations with the team. So if the team came back and said, you know we want to do this, mm-hmm. it'd be open for discussion. It might take the company in a different direction. Obviously, I have to be part of that conversation and agree to it, but some of the ideas that come out from the wider team and, you mm-hmm. know, is taking the company in different directions than I'd initially prepared for. Um, I think at the moment, you know, I've got no desires to be the big Goliath, mm. you know, agency, but... I think at the moment we've got a really nice balance where, you know, we've got some, uh, we have some really good people in the team, you know, uh, and as I've said many times, some are remote, some are in the office, some are in the office just for key meetings or whatever, but some really good people. Um, You know, I could see probably us growing a little bit in terms of uh, maybe a couple more part-time people, a couple more full-time people, whatever. Um, but getting to a point never becoming too big because I think you know once you get past a certain level and I've worked for agencies where this has happened you start to become a stranger to everyone else in the building because you don't necessarily have that connection with them Um, and there are so many different communication lines Mm. I went to a really good event recently uh, for Dotmailer and one of the speakers there showed up a graph um, how going from five members of staff to 15 members of staff, how it, you know, uh, the lines of communication just blurred so much mm. and became like a tangled web, 
but actually we're saying probably the most optimum stage is probably in that sort of 10 people zone or below because mm. there's still you can still see the lines of communication before yeah. it becomes a tangled web um, so yeah I don't know if I've actually answered that question in the end I think I've gone around the houses but um, yeah I think we're in a pretty good place right now yeah. so I, I certainly think it'd be um, interesting to see yeah. what goes from here because as you say we're able to do the charity commitment side of things which is so so important to all of us Um but I actually still have a, a lovely set of clients yeah. as well. Uh, and I'm able to do my own trustee stuff. Yeah, okay. Because you, you come across very open to flexible working. Mm. And, and you've, it seems to me you've gone for your, the quality of your team members rather 100%. than how much time they can commit. 100%. So yeah. what would you say to other people who are running their own companies, other directors, like, how do you think, I, I mean, the people, you you must meet other directors, do you think they need a shift in mindsets, or do you think the mindsets are changing, or it... I, you know, I think, we, we did some very, in my opinion, some very key things at the beginning, uh, when I started the company. Um, one of them is, we never... Uh, crowdsource any remote worker, any freelancer. We never take on a brief and put it out to the world and see who would do it for the cheapest mm -hmm. or who can do it in the local area that has time. It never happened and never will happen. Everybody who works remotely um, for the company is someone I've either worked with in the past, um, I know them through reputation, or they've been recommended to me by someone else mm -hmm. in the team. And effectively, that's the only way you get in. Mm. So the reason why I found that so important is because actually, because I know everybody so well, I've worked with them, they share my values. Um, and by sort of extension, the values of the mm. company. So actually, I feel like I can trust them to do the job. Yeah. So they don't need me micromanaging, which obviously I don't really have the time to do. Um and I think the problem is sometimes when people take on freelancers or remote workers, they may bring people in who they don't necessarily know. Um, therefore, there isn't a previous relationship. Therefore, you know, they, directors and company owners can feel quite stressed about that mm. because they don't know this individual. How can I trust them? Yes, they're doing it for X amount, you know, whatever. Um, there's a lack of trust. Yeah. You know, we're in a very good position where, as I say, these people have all been picked for a reason out of all the different places I've worked or places, you know, other members of the team have worked and said, you should get in contact with so-and-so. Um, the other thing we do that I don't think many companies do um, is every year we have two parties. So we have a summer party um, where all of the remote workers, everyone all comes together descends on Brighton and I think last night I ended up we ended up getting back at like 4am something <laughs> like that um, and uh, had a developer's uh, wife calling me at like 4 or 5 in the morning asking where her husband oh was oh my goodness yeah uh, um, but and then we have a Christmas party mm. which brings everyone together so yeah. you know it's not just a case of I know this individual right it's a case of okay well does the designer know the developer mm-hmm Yes, you know, they may not know them like 
their best mate. Yeah. But yeah, I met you know Jason at mm. that party, mm. and I know he was a really good guy, good to talk to. We were on the same sort of level, therefore people are much okay. more willing to work together, which I think helps. Yeah. Um. So that's one part of it. Coming back to what you said about, do I think? Um, directors and other business owners should open up this world I would think a lot of any um, nervousness around it is partly one for that trust issue that I just mentioned the other side to it is their clients now we still have clients um, say oh you know where are these people you know and for us you know some are in Kent some are in Sussex um, I think the farthest region one, uh, someone who used to live in Sussex has moved um, near Reading, but you know he's such a fantastic guy that you know certainly didn't want to let him go. Um, and I think certain clients can't—they're they're used to the old mm. way of doing things. You know, they come into an office. You know, I mean, we've got—if we count all the heads in the team, eighteen, nineteen yeah. people. If I had an office in Brighton, 18, 19 people, you know, it's going to have to be a huge office. The office costs will be exorbitant. Mm. Therefore, that cost has got to go back to the client. Yeah. Which then takes us to a point where we've got to have some really difficult conversations with clients um, because we're so, so expensive. Yeah. So actually, you know, I think things that directors and company owners are missing is actually you can be a lot more agile mm. doing it like this. Oh. It's, it's really like it's really interesting because there's just so many different challenges and I just it, guess it depends. But I think you've spoken a, a lot about the same point it's about that trust and knowing mm. people but also making sure you keep you keep that relationship with the people on your team because like you said if you grow too big mm. <clears throat> you lose that relationship definitely so and I mean I, it's so important yeah I mean mistake. you know we've made mistakes in the past but we've learned from them mm. you know back in the early days um, you know we took on uh, people who had been recommended to right. uh, to me actually from past colleagues and they said you've got to get in contact with this person they're amazing, absolutely incredible. Brought them on, sat down, looked at a brief together. They seemed really confident. I was like, okay, great. Got, a, got an estimate from them. Fantastic. Okay, great. Went back to the client, got that all done. Um, and they just they just didn't really get it. You know, they sort of missed the brief. Um, and thankfully, you know, with any new people into the team, I'm keeping an eye on it. Mm. You know, and it's the same with... Um, you know, a regular worker. Yeah. You know, people can get the wrong end of the stick yeah. every single day. Um, and with this person, thankfully I've caught it nice and early yeah. and just said, whoa, whoa hang on, yeah. no, back this way, this is what you're doing. Yeah. And it was fine after that, but, you know, they they really didn't get the brief and it knocked that sense of trust. And then we tried another project, which was better, but still mm. not at the level we wanted. Okay. So then we said, look, you know, thanks for your mm. time and everything else, but yeah. we're probably going to end it there. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's the same with anyone else. You know, I know companies that have employed people, brought them on, yeah. interviewed really well, and I'm sure everyone out there has yeah. had the same experience. Bring someone in, 
you know, month in, two months in, mm. and you just think, mm, no. Yeah. That's why a probation period. Exactly yeah. right. That, I mean, that's why things like that are in place. So, mm. yeah, I don't... I think, you know, you, you can only do so much yeah. and you meet these people. And I think for us, the best way of working is I built this network of people up mm-hmm. over this, probably about six years. Oh, okay. You know, and every time I went to a new place, worked in a new place, made a little note of someone who's particularly good and was like, hmm, okay, I'm thinking about this, my longer term plan, yeah. I wonder yeah. what they think, yeah. you know, have a little chat with them. You know. Very good. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, I think I could talk all evening. <laughs> does you, seem that way. We'll, we'll leave it there. But oh, thanks, thanks, Grant, for That's sharing right, no um, what you do at Creative Blend, and um, yeah. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks for inviting me. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share with others and rate on iTunes. I would love to hear from you, whether it's uh, feedback or if you've got any ideas for guests or anyone you think would be good on the show, let me know. You can email me on podcast at digitalseamstress.co.uk. You can also follow me on Instagram at the handle at wemakeitwork underscore. You can also search for us on LinkedIn Uh, with we make it work podcast i also have another feature where you can leave an audio message for me which i can then include in the show i would love for you to take part in the show in this way so to do that you need to go to anchor.fm slash we make it work with dashes in between the words we make it work forward slash message so just to clarify i'll spell out the whole url it's uh anchor.fm forward slash we dash make dash it dash work forward slash message and that they'll be in the show notes anyway the url and uh thank you for listening and bye